Good morning. It is so great to be with you today here at the Legacy International Center. And we are concluding our series on Genesis in the beginning. As we conclude part eight, I want to talk to you about God has the ultimate authority over humanity. I want you to remember that, that God has the ultimate authority over humanity. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever built something? Maybe you built a model or you built some piece of furniture or you helped build a house or a cabin or you, you know you've you've done something with your hands you've made something significant and you're proud of it it might be in your bedroom it might be in your home it, it could be a car you refurbished i don't know what it may have been or, or who knows what you've done but god has all given us creativity to, to build incredible things and when you think about some of the modern marvels of this world there's so many incredible ones like you know i think about stonehenge Maybe you've been there and you've seen it and, and maybe as you've looked at it, you see this incredible complex thing that mankind has made or maybe the pyramids of Giza. Uh, you know, maybe you've been to Egypt or some of, and, and to some of those places in the world and you've seen those magnificent structures and how they were built and created or maybe other marvels made by human hands was the Great Wall of China. Maybe you've been to China. You built, these were built over six dynasties. The total length of the Great Wall was 13,170 miles that was made by man. Or perhaps you've been to Panama. I've had a chance to go to the Panama Canal and basically this incredible monstrosity is one million cubic meters of concrete was needed to build this certain area of locks, of each of those locks in the Panama Canal. More than 60 million pounds of dynamite was used to uh, uh, ex excavate the uh, 240 million cubic yards of rock and dirt that were there needed to make way for the canal. Or perhaps maybe the Empire State Building. Maybe you've been to New York City. I've never had the chance to go to New York City, but maybe you've been inside the Empire State Building. But the Empire State Building took 3,500 men to build. It took a total of 7 million hours of manpower and it was built in 15 months. And maybe you've experienced that. Or maybe you've been to Nevada and, and uh, you've seen the Hoover Dam, which the dam stands 726 feet tall and it was constructed in, um, with 6.6 .6 million tons of concrete. Well, that's enough concrete to, to pay the 16 foot wide highway all the way from San Francisco to New York. It's an incredible marvel. Or maybe you've seen the Golden Gate Bridge. The Golden Gate, this, the cables consisted of thousands of wires that would have two super mega cables and these wires consisted of 27,572 wires and they were used, uh, they used a total of 80,000 miles of wire to construct the Golden Gate Bridge and that's enough wire that would circle the entire earth three times if you think about that. Or maybe you've been to Dubai and as you've gone to Dubai you've seen the, the Burj Khalifa it stands 2,719 feet tall, costing $1.5 billion. It's the largest freestanding structure in the entire world. Or maybe, now I know none of us have, that there's the International Space Station. It's 460-ton orbit space station, which is 240 miles from the Earth. It's about the size of a football field, but people are working on that thing since 1998, the International Space Station. All the things that I've mentioned were, made, were created by man. They were designed to fulfill purposes in this thing called life. And in Genesis 1, 1 through 11, we observed prior to what we're going to talk about regarding the Tower of Babel, we observed four incredible events, the creation of the universe, the fall of man, the great flood, and now the attempted construction of the Tower of Babel. 
Now, after the great flood, humanity did what God asked of them. They repopulated the earth and they were being fruitful and multiplying and they began to build towns and communities and they all worked together since they were all spoke the same language. They all spoke the same language. The only problem was that they were building, while they were building these great cities and these great communities, they were bringing glory to themselves rather than bringing glory to God. Thinking people would change after the great flood, man chi- mankind chose to go their, their own way instead of God. God's ways. And just like back then, today people are intent on becoming a God of themselves, excluding Jesus from being Lord over every aspect of their life. But friends, God is always at work on his world. And God is always at work at trying to accomplish his purposes in spite of the failures that humanity makes and the plans and the, the, fault, the flawed projects that we are as a sinful society. And so God now was watching what humanity was going to do with this gift of unity as, we all, as they all spoke the same language and communicated to each other. And so we read about this in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. And it says this, Now all the earth used the same language and the same words. And it came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and settled there. Then they said to one another, come, let's make bricks and fire them thoroughly. And they used these bricks for stone and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of all the earth. Now the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they have started to do. And now nothing which they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will, un- not, so that they will not understand one another's speech. Verse 8. So the Lord scattered them abroad and there over the face of all the earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore it was named Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to gather and to go forward in faith as we conclude this series. And I pray God that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit has to say to us as we deposit your word in our hearts that we may not sin against you and go forward in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So instead of destroying mankind with the flood that we just read, God confused man's ability to communicate with one another by creating them to speak different languages, making it hard for them to become like God or equal like God that they were trying to do as they were building these ungodly dreams and aspirations. Now, this will always cause humanity to spread throughout the earth, which is what God wanted in the first place. He wanted humanity not only to be fruitful and multiply, but he wanted them to scatter throughout the earth. And we see after reading this that the true nature of humanity's heart was to seek glory for themselves as they were trying to worship what they did rather than who God was or what God could do for them or was going to do for them. So church, no matter what humanity tries to do on their own, no matter what we try to do in this thing called life, nothing can remove the curse of sin. Now throughout Genesis, we see humanity choosing to disobey God then what would happen is God would judge them and then he would turn around and and bring forth his grace and mercy. And of course, he made all things new. Unfortunately, people have always tried to exalt themselves above God. For example, Adam tried to elevate himself to the level of God. And from that act, mankind was cursed when he thought he could think and, and act like God. And we see the same behavior in those trying to build the Tower of Babel. You see, no matter wherever humanity goes, they will always carry the curse of sin. 
But God wants to remind us that it doesn't work to anyone's advantage to rebel against his will, to rebel against God, just like the people were doing as they were building the Tower of Babel. Proverbs 16, 1 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Church, I want you to remember that God is never paralyzed by what man does or even by what man says. God doesn't say, oh, you said this or you're doing this. I guess I can't go forward in the plans and the purposes that I have for your life or for your children or for your grandchildren or for your church or wherever it may be. No, God is never paralyzed by what humanity does or what by humanity says. The, pow- the people of Babel said to one another, let's build up. But God said, and he declared, let me come down. Let me come down. God had to deal with the sins of humanity back then to help prevent even greater problems in the future because of man's, mankind's ability to speak one language. They felt a sense of power. They, they felt a sense of control that would lead to greater rebellion against God. There will never be any escape from death for humanity until God himself sets up his eternal kingdom as it talks about in Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Yes, God will eventually do that, but until then, no matter how hard humanity tries to, with their achievements or their accomplishments or their abilities or their talents, you and I will never be able to undo the curse of sin over our lives. Only God can do that. Secondly, another thing we discover from this passage of Scripture that applies to us today is people's instincts, for the most part, have always been to take advantage of God's gifts. They've always done that. Today is no different than back then. You see, church, mankind's focus has always been on themselves and not on God. They've always wanted to be their own God. And all the gifts that God has given these individuals, including ourselves, sometimes we could take advantage of them. Instead of spreading out after being fruitful and multiplying after the great flood, the the people decided to move to Nimrod's city of Babylon. They're living in rebellion against what God had commanded them to do. And and instead of being scattered throughout the earth, they, they wanted to conglomerate together. They wanted to be with one another. And during that process, they wanted to build a tower that they could raise to be equal with God. They wanted to bring glory to themselves, as I said before, with their human achievements and accomplishments. Now, Babylon in Scripture symbolizes worldly pride. In Babylon, the scripture, in Scripture, it symbolizes moral corruption or literal defiance or rebellion against God. You now have the city of Babylon that represents this worldly system that's opposed to God's order and is appealing to the appetites of human nature rather than to God's perfect nature. And the people chose to build a tower of Babel that was known as a, a ziggurat. And a ziggurat was like a pyramid, except it, it had levels that were recessed so they, they could climb on top of these steps. And at the top was a shrine dedicated to certain gods or goddesses. And the people weren't necessarily trying to get to heaven to dethrone God as they were building this tower, but rather they were hoping that their god or goddess uh, that they worship could come down from heaven to meet them. And Babel means the gate of the gods. You see, church, I want you to understand that we're not created to build arrogant towers. But as the church of Jesus Christ, we're here to build people in their faith to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ. But their project was a declaration of rebellion is what they were doing toward the Lord in building this Tower of Babel. What they wanted to accomplish was to make a name for themselves. We read about that so that others would admire them or perhaps want to join them. They were motivated by their pride, not in what God had given them. They took the gift of speaking one language and they abused it for their benefit. Even when you think about Adam, he, he, abu- he abused his privilege status by choosing to disobey God rather than to live a life of obedience for God. 
And now we see it again in Genesis 11 when humanity used the gifts of speech and creativity. They wanted to bring glory to themselves instead of glory to God. And that has not changed today as mankind tries to elevate themselves to be equal with God in an effort to avoid being accountable to God. Yes, we're given freedom by, uh, from the bondage of sin by the power of the Holy Spirit once we accept this free gift of salvation because of what Jesus did on his death on the cross and three days later he rose from the grave. But humanity for the most part always takes advantage of God's gifts for their own benefits. The people in Genesis 11 tried to make a monument of human achievement. Look what we have done. We're going to make a name for ourselves. But rather it became a symbol of divine judgment regarding human pride and self-rule. But in the middle of man's rebellion, trying to be equal with God or becoming their own God, I want you to understand, friends, that God continually offers us his amazing grace. Oh, how sweet that sounds. Many times in Genesis, God came down to the earth because of the sin of humanity, and it had reached a critical mass. If God didn't intervene quickly, the entire human race would slip back into the deepest levels of wickedness even before the great flood. So what did God do? God investigated what, what was happening. As scripture says th that he came down, not because he didn't know what was going on on earth, but because he was longing for a way to offer grace to a sinful nature, a sinful, na a sinful people and a sinful nation. God came to Adam and led him to admit of his sin in Genesis 3. And God clothed Adam and Eve when they saw that they were naked and would eventually send them a redeemer and the world as well. God confronted Cain and offered him a way to repent and avoid a greater punishment that we read about in Genesis 4. Cain killed Abel, but God sent Seth to carry on the godly line. Again, God's grace. The Sethites intermarried with the, the godless Cainites, but Noah and his family were, were spared when God flooded the earth because they believed in God. Again, you see God's grace. As man did one thing that wasn't what God designed, God designed another thing. Later, he came to Abraham and trying to avoid the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. You can read about that in Genesis 18. And then God came to the Tower of Babel looking for a way to help humanity from doing something that was a reckless path towards destruction. He was merciful by making it difficult for people to communicate with one another. God had to force humanity to divide themselves into independent cities and nations. And eventually God came to earth in human form through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. No matter what mistakes we make, God wants to reconcile with us. That is the grace of God. By confusing them with language differences and scattering them all over the earth, God graciously spared their lives and gave them an opportunity to return to him. Think about this, church. God could have destroyed the buildings. God could have destroyed the city. God could have destroyed the builders. God could have destroyed their tower, but he chose to let them live. He chose to let them live. The Holy Spirit is using the church to be this agent of, re uh, agent of reconciliation to bring people together in Jesus' name. When you think about Pentecost, Pentecost was a reversal of Babel for the people present in Jerusalem. At Pentecost, they heard the praises of God in their own language with the various languages. But then there will come a day when people from every tribe, every nation will worship Jesus Christ and the judgment of Babel will be done away. I'm so looking forward to that day when Jesus returns and builds his church in a way and this earth in a way that we can even think of or even imagine. Let me pray for you as we close this service. And I just want to ask you a couple of questions. And the first one is this. What are you building today? What are you building today? Are you building your own tower 
or are you building an altar to God? Are you building your financial worth or are you building God's church and kingdom with what he has given you? Are you building things to build up your pride or are you building things to expand his presence in your home, in, in your school, in your church or your community? Are you doing things to bring glory to yourself or are you doing things to bring glory to God? What are you building? Think about that question. Secondly, is there an area of your life that you see yourself taking advantage of a gift or gifts God has given you? For instance, maybe God has given you the gift to serve, but you're not serving. Maybe God has given you the ability to play an instrument or to sing or to do certain things and, and you're not doing that. You're not using that gift for God's glory. Maybe God has given you the gift of being a giver, but instead you've become a hoarder. And the list goes on and on, but you, see, you can see it's happening in your life right now. And you, perhaps you want to repent of whatever you've been taking for granted. Maybe you've become complacent in, in one of those areas in God's eyes. And perhaps there's an area of your life that you've, you, you've been like Babylon like, and you're filled with moral corruption or um, compromise or, or you're defying God or you're just living a life of rebellion towards God and you've chosen the appetite of your human nature more than choosing to serve God's perfect nature. Is there an area of your life today that you're taking advantage of? regarding a gift or gift that God's given you, you realize that you need to repent. And finally, you need God's grace more than ever today. And you realize that you need God to remove the curse of sin and death over your life. And today you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time, or perhaps you want to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you as we close out this service before Monty shares what's going on and we have a giving living moment. But let me pray for you today as we conclude our service. Father, there's a lot of things that we can build that can be good or they can be bad. They can help us or they can hurt us. And Lord, when we think about the things that we're building today, Lord, are we building up our own kingdom or are we building up your kingdom? And if there's any area of our life that we're building more for ourselves than for you, we ask you to have mercy on us today. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Lord, maybe there's an area of our life that we've been taking advantage of a gift or gift that you've given us or gifts that you've given us. And we haven't been using them for your glory, but we've been using them for our glory. We've been buying things or doing things with our money instead of trusting you and giving what belongs to you today, Lord God, out of fear or, or, or priorities, Lord Jesus. Or maybe, uh, Lord, there's things that we used to do in the church, but now that the church has kind of scaled back because of this pandemic, we, we, we're just coasting. But Lord, we realize we need to do more for your kingdom. We need to get involved. We need to serve or give or do whatever it is that you're calling us to do, Lord. Or maybe there's been compromise and corruption. There's been defiance and just point blank rebellion towards you. And now, Lord, we ask that you forgive us of our sins, Lord, and cleanse us from all acts of unrighteousness. Or maybe, Lord, there's someone here that, that wants to rededicate their life or give their life to you. And if that's you, just where you're at, just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I don't want to be a fan of yours. I want to be a follower of yours. And so, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross. And three days later, you rose from the grave. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for this free gift of salvation. And I receive it. And from this day forward, I choose to live, love, and lead and serve you. Above all, because you're not just my Savior, but you're my Lord and you're Lord over all. God, we thank you then. We're reminded today, Lord, that you have the ultimate authority over everything, over humanity, over this earth, over, this, over our church, over our, our neighborhoods, over this city, over this state, over this nation, Lord God. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that whatever you want to do as we get ready to end this year, Lord God, that we will be open to your will and to your ways and to your purposes so that you will receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. We love you, Jesus, and we give you glory. 
In your holy name we pray. Amen. Hey, have a great day. Here's some more information. Don't tune us out yet because we want to let you know what's going on. And I want to encourage you through our giving living. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and a Thanksgiving week and are looking forward to a glorious Christmas. We've got a great thing that God's going to do as we start a new series called Nothing Can Cancel Christmas. Uh, I look forward to being with you. God bless you.